Grammar Girl here. I'm Mignon Fogarty, your friendly guide to the English language. We talk about writing, history, rules, and cool stuff. Today, we'll talk about some interesting pandemic-related words and about the difference between middle grade and young adult fiction. A new study by UK researchers found that you are not alone. It really does feel like time is distorted when we're strictly staying home and alone during the pandemic. Only about 20% of the people they surveyed felt like time was passing normally. But of the 80% who felt like the passage of time was altered, half felt like it was going faster and half felt like it was going slower. The people who felt like time was dragging tended to be older, bored, and lonely. And the people who felt like time was speeding by tended to be younger and much busier, like parents juggling jobs and children. Whoosh, there went another day. But whether it feels like time is going fast or slow, one thing researchers think is altering the perception of time is that many of us have lost our routines. We don't have to leave the house by a certain time to make it to work or to get the kids to school. And weekends can be a lot like weekdays. And that's where we get to the words, because people seem to want a word to describe the feeling of not knowing what day of the week it is. Nancy Friedman, a corporate naming expert who goes by Frida Nancy on Twitter, has been publishing semi-regular roundups of new words related to the coronavirus. And her most recent update included both Blur's Day and Wednesday, spelled W-H-E-N-S-D-A-Y. And I love them both. Searching Twitter shows that both words were in use before the pandemic, but they've dramatically picked up steam since the first stay-at-home orders were put in place. If you're wondering exactly how these words are used, here's a fun example I found on Twitter. Professor Trisha Wood wrote, quote, just wrapped up a meeting with a colleague and wished her a nice weekend, whereupon she kindly advised me, it's Tuesday. Hashtag what? Unquote. And Neil Hanlon replied, quote, been there, happened last Blur's Day. Unquote. I did a poll to see which word people liked better, and about two-thirds liked Blur's Day more than Wednesday. And in the end, I have to side with the Blur's Day camp, too, because it works better when you're speaking than Wednesday, which just sounds like the regular name of the week, so you lose the whole effect. While I was scouting around looking at examples of these words, I found others, too. People have used Again's Day, Blend's Day, Does It Matter Day, Doesn't Matter Day, None Day, Some Day, which I don't like because it's already a real word, What's day, whose day, and why's day. Interestingly, where's day is out there too, but it seems less common than the others that start with question words, maybe because it has such a strong sense of place instead of time. At least, that's my guess. Anyway, that was a fun diversion, and Nancy Friedman is a great word person to follow on Twitter. Her username again is Frida Nancy, and I hope you're enjoying your Blur's Day. Next, we'll talk about young adult and middle grade books. Are you thinking about writing a book for children or teenagers? Well, good for you. Many children's book authors feel inspired by their young readers and love that their stories provide encouragement to growing minds. 
In fact, writing kid lit, a common slang word used by children's authors and readers, is a valid market supported by a range of professional organizations, including the well-known Society for Children's Book Writers and Illustrators. Libraries are also strong advocates of children's books. For example, the American Library Association is quite active in sponsoring conferences and awards. Children's books even have their own distinguished trade, fiction, and industry magazines, such as The Horn Book, Highlights, School Library Journal, and Voya. So it's not at all unusual for authors who aspire to write for children to find the support and information they need to thrive in this market from these organizations. One thing that makes the children's book market different from the adult book market is that the children's book market is divided into segments based on age. Although it's true that readers of all ages can read and enjoy children's books, publishers, librarians, educators, reviewers, and booksellers adhere closely to these age brackets when publishing, marketing, selling, and discussing children's books. So it is important for writers to recognize the appropriate market for their story. In general, children's books are divided into four categories. Picture books, chapter books, middle grade, and young adult. Today, we'll just focus on the differences between middle grade and young adult, since there are common misunderstandings between these two specific markets. The most basic definition of middle grade is a story that's meant for readers 8 to 12 years old. But to explore this concept more deeply, you should consider narrative elements, such as chapter format, reading level, story themes, and age-appropriate content. Middle grade, like all book markets, can be affected by current ideas and trends on what would be appealing to kids. Adults in the industry also act as gatekeepers, and there are ever-shifting discussions in the field on what is right for children to read. Middle grade books are designed for beginning readers who've matured beyond picture books and heavily illustrated chapter books to start reading on their own. Some may have illustrations, but some may not. The chapters are more than a few pages long, and the type would be more like that in a standard adult novel. Middle grade reading levels are also broken down into two subcategories known as lower and upper middle grade. Lower middle grade uses simpler metaphors, vocabulary, and sentence structure designed for beginning independent readers age 8 to 10. Upper middle grade is more mature, closer to young adult, and appeals to readers between 10 and 12. Many younger readers may also enjoy being read upper-middle-grade books, even if they can't read them by themselves yet. Another difference is that protagonists of lower-middle-grade tend to be between 8 and 11 years old, while upper-middle-grade tend to be 12 to 14 years old. Kids tend to enjoy reading up as well, meaning they like to read characters who are a little older than they are. Of course, there can always be exceptions to this age rule. Harry Potter, for example, is 11 years old in Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone, which falls squarely in upper middle grade. In terms of reading level, one way to gauge a middle grade style is judging it according to classroom standards established by the Common Core for plot, ideas, themes, and sentence structure. On the other hand, middle grade style has evolved significantly over the decades, and these standards can be intimidating to non-educators. 
The best way for a writer to absorb reading level is to read a lot of middle grade titles that are suggested by booksellers and librarians. That way you can get a strong sense of what regular readers identify as middle grade. The writer's voice and style can vary no matter what the emotional content may be. The Book Thief by Marcus Zusak, for example, is upper middle grade, though the style is very literary and the book has many adult fans. You may also remember books you've read as a child that still fall under middle grade. Catherine Patterson's Bridge to Terabithia, Madeline Langle's A Wrinkle in Time, and E.B. White's Trumpet of the Swan and Charlotte's Web are all popular classic middle grade books. I remember them well. Middle grade stories can be action-packed, thrilling mysteries, serious family dramas, tales of wonder, or even nail-bitingly scary. What gathers them under the same umbrella, along with the qualities we already mentioned, are the ways middle grade stories approach a child protagonist's sense of self, the scope of their adventures, and their role in the community. Middle grade and young adult can both include coming-of-age stories— But for middle grade, growing up doesn't end by the final page. These kids are questioning who they are, what kind of values they have, and what's important to their personal identity. The answers to these questions tend to be found in their friends, family, and community values. Middle grade stories look for allies, helpers, and mentor figures as part of the protagonist's journey. These people show them how to navigate their lives, usually sticking around to the plot's completion. Self-identity in middle grade asks questions that relate to children finding their best place in the world. What about my identity do I find important to keep or defend? How am I different from or similar to my friends and family? How do I handle conflicts like school difficulties, teammate problems, or classroom struggles? What kind of relationships do I keep with my family and friends? How can I help my town, my city, or my people address their problems? How do I develop my values and beliefs with the help of others around me? What does it mean to fit in? What do I find exciting about myself and the world? And what's important to me as a child right now, and how do I attain those goals? It's a common misunderstanding that middle-grade stories shouldn't address complicated or difficult emotional, family, or social issues in order to, quote, protect the children, unquote. Quite the contrary. Many successful middle-grade books approach subjects such as death, illness, war, poverty, bullying, emotional distress, mental illness, and abuse. In fact, kid-lit writers, educators, and parents believe these hard stories can help children navigate these issues for the first time and give them enough emotional and cognitive space to process them, ideally with the guidance of a knowledgeable adult. You can write about the tough stuff as long as you approach these sensitive topics in an age-appropriate way, but that can be subjective. One helpful technique is to research children's emotional and psychological development to understand what's going on in kids' heads and craft your storytelling within those boundaries. Next, we'll move on to young adult. Young adult is wildly popular in kid lit, but not all children's books should be considered young adult. 
Now that you understand middle grade, think of young adult as maturing stylistically and thematically closer to adult books, while being beholden to very teenage-specific issues and narratives. Although the writing style for middle grade and young adult can be commercial, literary, or somewhere in between, young adult narrative voices possess a higher level of maturity and emotional awareness. Think about a teenager's point of view. They're experiencing responsibilities they didn't have to think about as a kid. Teenagers are trying to understand the adult world, but also trying to navigate it better on their own. Maybe they're making choices about college, trade school, or an adult job. They recognize that they want to solve problems without an adult's help, or maybe that the adults they know don't have the answers they need. Not to mention all the hormonal and physical changes that can be strange, awkward, intense, and maybe even frightening. Teens are justifiably emotional, and that's reflected in their writing. Thematic young adult questions are more complex than middle grade concerns, and the answers aren't always there. Moreover, young adult books address coming of age in ways that completely transform the teenage protagonist by the book's end. Maybe they no longer consider themselves as innocent or as naive as they once were. Maybe they recognize the new responsibilities of adulthood. Teen protagonists don't think of themselves as kids anymore, and the reader agrees. Young adult novels ask harder questions that seriously question one's place in society. Young adult characters may have changing values that are in conflict with their friends, schoolmates, or family. They challenge assumptions and norms they grew up with in order to recognize what's important to them in adulthood. Themes that young adult books bring to the table include what about me is important to keep into adulthood? Why are my differences important to how I define myself? How do I handle personal problems at school, in friendships, or in my community by myself? How can I be independent of my mentor figures? How have my relationships with my loved ones changed from before? How do I shape my values and beliefs outside of what I was taught or grew up to believe? What does it mean to be an adult? Themes of adulthood and young adult can mean attaining new responsibilities, facing serious consequences for your actions, and making decisions by yourself. As you can tell, these are huge life questions that start during the teen years, but can last a lifetime. Handling these thematic questions is one of the appealing qualities of writing young adult fiction and makes for compelling and complex storytelling. Writing books for a developing young readership provides many wonderful opportunities. The conversations you can have in the children's book space can be challenging, rewarding, and never-ending. Many kid-lit writers and adult readers place huge importance on the value of their work in helping young people grow. By defining these distinctions between middle grade and young adult, you'll be able to develop your story to hit the right market where your story can have the most impact. That segment was written by Diana M. Foe, an independent scholar, playwright, and Hugo Award-nominated book editor. Learn more about her work and editorial services at dianamfoe.com. Finally, I have a quick familect story from Tristan. Hi, my name is Tristan from North Carolina, and this is a family story. My younger brother, Sam, for when he was two years old, he couldn't say French fries, so he just called them crunch cries. 
And now, it's been that way a long time, my family also calls them crunch cries. So thank you. Love the podcast. Thanks, Tristan. We always order our french fries extra crispy, so maybe we should call them crunch cries, or at least crunch fries, too. I like them crunchy. If you want to call and leave a voicemail with the story of a word your family and only your family uses, the number is 833214-GIRL. I'm Mignon Fogarty, better known as Grammar Girl. You can find all the Grammar Girl articles at the home of my network, quickanddirtytips.com. Thanks to my producer, Nathan Sems. And that's all. Thanks for listening. Bye.